Chapter 1. Skipping Stones Commences with a quote by Soren Kierkegaard. The thing is to understand myself, to see what God really wishes me to do, to find the idea for which I can live and die. Michael was a tall, good-looking guy with a monster intellect. He wasn't the lecturer for our philosophy of religion class, but he could have been. I, on the other hand, was a 20-year-old fitness addict who had no idea what philosophy was. I figured it was just some sort of navel-gazing for intellectuals, for guys who didn't have the skills for street skating in peak hour traffic or homemade bungee jumping. Michael was a mature-age student. You know, one of those guys who had burned all the crazy, youthful, testosteronic action out of his system years before and now came to college just to taunt those of us still flailing about in post-pubescent premature education. His knack of topping just about every class was legendary, and his ability to hit the books was mind-boggling for the rest of us. He even studied on weekends. Didn't he know that every other guy was skinny-dipping in the creek, playing computer games all night, and seeing whether human methane really does burn blue? I mean, come on, Michael. Loosen up, man. To this day... I still don't really know what it was about the philosophy of religion lectures that, very surprisingly, captured my imagination. But I got caught, hook, line and sinker. There was something about them that began to answer questions that I'd never been game enough to ask, some sort of inner contact with a part of me that lay unexplored. It was soul-touching. I started studying on weekends. I even found myself sitting with Michael on occasions mulling over the ideas of Hegel, Kierkegaard, Camus and Sartre. It was my once-only foray into the world of navel-gazing, and I've never forgotten it. And not just because it was the only subject in four years in which I got a higher mark than Michael. (laughs) Truth be told, I've forgotten nearly everything we learned in that class, but I remember the experience, the feelings, like it was yesterday. The very few snippets of knowledge that I have retained involved the Danish Christian philosopher Søren Kierkegaard, the disturbing Dane. Let me set the scene before we explore one of his intensely insightful analogies. Just as the book of Ecclesiastes is commonly popular with young Christians in their often rebellious church-has-nothing-to-offer-me university years, Kierkegaard is regularly cited as their favourite philosopher. There's something horribly, selfishly sad yet simultaneously enlightening, about his worldview. Much of Kierkegaard's short life seemed to be filled with mental suffering and an often toxic disgust for the state church of his day, which is tragic. His tombstone reveals the shortness of his stay, 1813 to 1855, and reminds me of the poignant poem, There'll be two dates on your tombstone. All your friends are going to read them. But all that's going to matter is the little dash between them. We are, as Kierkegaard mused, responsible for giving our own lives meaning, responsible for making sure that our little dash is one filled with purpose and meaning. But Kierkegaard struggled in his soul from a young age. At just 22, he wrote the following in a journal letter to his friend, Peter Lund. What I really lack is to be clear in my mind what I am to do, not what I am to know, except insofar as a certain knowledge must precede every action, the thing is to understand myself, to see what God really wishes me to do, 
The thing is to find a truth which is true for me, to find the idea for which I can live and die. It must be taken up into my life, and that is what I now recognise as the most important thing. One of Kierkegaard's analogies is stuck firmly in my brain. It has been with me since the day I first heard it, and has probably had more to do with many of my financial and spiritual choices than I would care to admit. He described the aesthetic stage of life. That's the years when life is about looking good as you zip from one pleasure to another, and the energetic, self-centred search for fulfilment in entertainment, travel, leisure, career and recreation, as a stone skipping across the surface of a pond. These aesthetic years can occur at almost any time of life, but are most often experienced between about 20 and 50 years of age, although now that 60 is the new 50, and many people are still searching for satisfaction in their 70s, I'm not really sure where it ends. Kierkegaard's skipping stone seems to move with speed, grace and beauty. It is fueled by the narcotic of pleasure and thrilled by the energy it gains when touching the surface of the joy of life. It is feeling incredibly blessed. But as it proceeds with careless abandon, it starts to find less and less enjoyment in each touch and requires more and more and more touches, faster and faster and faster, to maintain its forward motion and to prevent it from sinking. But finally, the sports and movies and careers and vacations and acquisitions and projects and distractions are no longer enough to propel it forward, no longer enough to satisfy, and the stone sinks. Down it goes, down, down, into the unavoidable and inevitable despair and depression that a life built on nothing more than temporary experiences and acquisitions must descend. Then, lying on its back in the muddy darkness, it looks up, no longer forward, and cries out for help. It is then that God answers. Maybe it is only then that God can answer, because it's often the only time we truly cry out. It is God and God alone who can pick us up, wash us off, and put us on the path where he wants us. We just need to get to the point, often flat on our backs, half buried in the mud, where we are willing to cry out, to really ask. Where are you? Are you skipping joyfully through life, from one accomplishment, one acquisition to the next? What are the experiences, adventures and comforts that are driving you forward in your pond skipping? Or are you sinking, wondering whatever happened to the pleasure you used to get out of your skips? Are you lying in the mud? I've experienced all three. After being washed off, again and again, I've finally learned that it is possible to maintain the momentum of satisfaction, but only when God is my driving force. Too often, I focused on, and filled my heart with, the skips instead of the skipper. What about you?